irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to Sam in the Morning with Danny, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, April 3rd. We're back. No guests in the studio today, Danny. No. But we do have a very interesting guest that's going to be on the phone. We're going to talk about sleep apnea. And if you don't know what that is, just ask me because I definitely have it. Mm -hmm. And uh, all I need is one symptom, and that is I fucking can't breathe, man. My, my, uh, my throat just gets constricted, you know? Yeah, I don't know how you deal with that. I would have already gotten that handled. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll talk about it uh, more when he calls in about 15 minutes. And then uh, apparently a lot of people have it. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. have it. So. I think probably like one in four people probably have it. Uh, uh, let's see what it says. It says about 12% of the U.S. population. That's not That's a lot. That's like 30 million people. Yeah. It's, it's still I a lot. Be, I thought, I thought it would be more than that, though. You think? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's that widespread. Maybe only 12% has been diagnosed. We'll see. Yeah. But they're saying that two-thirds of people with severe sleep apnea do not complain of daytime sleepiness. And, uh, but I complain about daytime sleepiness all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just I think it's from the weed, you know? But that's probably that, too. Yeah. But definitely. all I can tell you is this, though. In the morning, all I want to do, all I think about is when am I going to get to sleep next? Oh, really? And that's very unlike me. Yeah. So, you know, so I know something's going on, and I hope there's a better answer than just put the fucking mask on your face. Did you see the Roseanne episode, cannot, the new one? No, I don't watch it. Okay, I yeah. never watched it either, yeah. but this one was hyped up, and I wanted to see what it's about, and it was funny. Mm. But mm-hmm. the first scene, he wakes up, mm-hmm. th- she wakes him up in, b- in bed, and he's got this mask on, on his face. For so sleep he has apnea. sleep apnea. Yeah, yeah. So fine that you got to take care of that. Then. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So we'll see. Uh, at any rate, um, uh, so so the couple that was here was uh, very cute yesterday. Yeah, they were uh, very nice people, uh, musicians. They we played a couple of their songs. I actually really listened good. to her song in the car yesterday. Was it good? Yeah, it's cute. It's like a cute song. Yeah, it's a pop song. If you guys like that style. Uh, definitely check it out. The group is called Only Bricks, and, the and they explained it to us. Yeah, they explained it to us, but I didn't quite get it. That Only Bricks. It's like a line from a song, but yeah. I don't remember who sang it. Yeah, right? um, it know? was um... someone I probably don't know. <laughs> oh, well. I, can't, I can't remember Doesn't either. Doesn't matter. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little tired today for some reason, but I went to bed. At like 11, so I don't mm. know why I'm so tired. Yeah, well, did you have a lot of activity yesterday? Physical um, activity, whatever? Well, I went to another job interview, which is a joke. Um, why? Then I came home, and then my roommate was like, hey, do you want to go grab something to eat? So we went and we got uh, Middle Eastern food. I had like the best Greek salad ever from Aroma. Oh, you went to Aroma? Yeah, yeah. Ah, good for you. Yeah, and we sat outside because they have like those nice heaters uh-huh. outside. And isn't it beautiful mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Now, there's another one out here that was the first one, right. but it's not as nice as yeah, that. Yeah, this one is so nice. The inside and the outside is just so nice. Right. And, yeah. you get, and the funny thing is, although it's Israeli, 
Most of the people are not Israelis no. there, right? I mean, last There's a lot night, of English and stuff. Yeah, there. last uh, I've been there two times, and most of the time it's just like a mixed crowd. But last night was all like Middle Eastern, except really for me. all yeah. Hebrew. Yeah, that's very. I'll tell you why because now it's Passover, right? Yeah, the holiday goes on for a week, mm-hmm. and you're not supposed to eat bread or bread products. Oh, really? Like we talked about. So everyone's going to get so, salad. So <laughs> no, but I I think there's so no so many restaurants just don't open. Because otherwise they can't sell half of the things that they usually make. Right, that's and, true. And you know, if they keep kosher, which means they uh, the food is certified by you know authorities, rabbis, whatever. Right. Then uh, some people only eat that kind of food. Mm-hmm. So those restaurants, in order to draw those crowds, they have to go by the rules. Right. So they they just don't open that one. I know it's not a kosher restaurant because they sell, uh, they sell meat. Like, yeah, they sell meat and they also and, sell, and, have like onion And dairy rings. and stuff in the yeah. same plate, you know. They have like American stuff too. Yeah. But I don't I Yeah, don't they have it. a lot of different stuff, mm-hmm. different things. And if you live in L.A., you should definitely check it out. It's called Aroma. I really enjoyed their salad, but I hated the wrap because we shared a salad and we shared a wrap. Mm-hmm. And we got the sunset wrap, which is like filet, like some type of filet steak. Uh-huh. It had zero flavor. It was really? the driest shit I've ever eaten. Oh. Well, yeah. you got to eat more Middle Eastern stuff yeah. then. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. But they have a huge menu, right? Huge. It's huge like 50 menu. pages. Yeah, it's I'm like, like a what? book. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I always like to uh, to share nice places with other people, mm-hmm. and there's not that many places I like in LA. You know, I mean, really, not really, but let's just say I don't go out that much. Right. That there's a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So you know, I usually go back to the same places and stuff. What's you your know, favorite you know? sushi spot? Uh, like Katsuya. Yeah, it's so good. Katsuya is good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. So they've opened uh, a few, but I don't think they're all owned by the same people. Really? Even though it's the different. same name? Yeah, I think they're each different. In fact, there's a couple of them that are called Something by Katsuya. Mm. You know? Mm. So everybody wants to use the name because the name, uh, it's a, they have a good name. Right, yeah, it's catchy. You know? But I don't want to eat um, sushi anymore, man. It just grosses me out Why? when I think about On Facebook, constantly, they show you like pictures and videos of uh, worms in people's bodies that yeah, ate but that's sushi like steak too. No, that's not steak. Oh Come my on. god, yeah. we're talking about uncooked meat. Yeah, or uncooked fish. Yeah, but still cooked meat. There was this girl on Facebook who did like a. Okay, a well maybe some. Okay, maybe some people get that. Yeah, but, but as well, maybe only some get it from sushi too. But I don't know. It just I don't know, man. I mean, it yeah, every really I think to me. eating any type of food that's not like bread or. Or like pasta or something is kind of gross. Like meat's gross, but it all tastes good. So it's like fuck it. Right, right. It's like yeah, it's gross, but I'm still gonna eat it. I know. I made a <laughs> nice big steak at home last night. Oh really? I can't believe I ate it all like at ten o'clock at night. You right. Know, with a whole uh, uh, pot full of rice that I made and all that. So, but it was so good, man. Mm-hmm. Fuck, it's good. Yeah. But it's the worst thing to eat steak before you go to bed. You know. It just sits there. Yeah, it takes forever, mm-hmm. but. What do I do? I, I keep telling myself that my eating habits as far as what time I eat is not very good. What you know? time do you eat? Well, I don't eat breakfast. Lunch I eat around 2 or 3, and then dinner I eat at 9 or 10. So you don't eat till 2? 
I don't eat till two. Mm-mm. Yeah. I'm already hungry. Like in my head right now, I'm like, what can I get to eat as soon as I leave here? Right. I'm it's so interesting because when I work on, on weekdays, uh, I last till one, two, three o'clock. Mm-mm. But on the weekend, man, I get hungry at 12, you know. So maybe the work keeps me uh, not thinking about it. And also, you know, being a smoker and stuff, it's easy to kill your appetite. Yeah, I cigarettes. heard that. That's why a lot of models smoke cigarettes because they, <laughs> they want to be skinnier. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> what a stupid thing to do. Yeah, for sure. I know. Um, yeah, I eat dinner. If I can, I try to eat dinner at like 7. Yeah. So I'm like That's done good. for the yeah, night, you know. That... But last night I ate late. I ate at like 9, 30, 10 last night. Like we didn't get home till. Mm. But I walked home. Like it's right across the street from my house. Yeah. I'm like, boop. How cool. Mm-hmm. Do you feel safe walking in Hollywood at night? Well, it's funny because last night I screamed at the top of my lungs because we were walking and it was dark and somebody moved in like the bushes and I screamed at the top <laughs> of my lungs and it was just like some homeless guy like taking a oh, nap. Oh, God. And my roommate was like, are you serious? And I was like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, not by Star myself. Not by myself, yeah. no. No? Mm, no. But I was with her. So if we're going down, we're going down together, girl. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, undesirable element down there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah a lot of homelessness in LA let yeah, me tell you it's so crazy right? I've never seen anything like it especially downtown I know and you know actually I've got a couple pictures still on my camera I never really posted them of uh, of tents of homeless tents mm-hmm. and right down around the corner from Aroma so it's funny yeah. we just talked about it because yeah. they have like... Here or in, in Hollywood? No, in Sunset, okay, where you yeah, went. Yeah. So right around the corner where you can park your car, a whole row of tents. They took them down when I went there last time, but uh, but I saw that a few months ago and I thought, you know, how gross is this mm-hmm. and how uh, terrible that people don't address this. I mean, these I mean, people like, how live can you in the address street. something like that, though? Like, what do you tell them? Like, move? You can't... You can't really tell them to move. No, but these are people that need help, and maybe the city can help them somehow. I know. You know, we got all these liberals here that want to help everybody, and yet, you know, you have the homeless people that nobody does anything about. I agree. And it's uh, not only is it a nuisance, it's also sad for those people, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're mostly mentally ill. You can tell, you know. And my heart goes out to them every time I see those homeless people. Right. You know, and they hang out everywhere. There's a lot of people. So 7-Elevens and, you know, on corners of streets. And my God, man, it's just, it's not pleasant for anybody. And I see articles and, and, and uh, you know, news being reported on how terrible uh, LA's homeless situation yeah. is, you know. I mean, downtown is insanity. When I used to yeah. live down there, I was like, literally every, everywhere you went, there was right. just like a homeless person chilling, and some of them are pretty aggressive too. Yeah, and that's why you see they go where there's a lot of people that walk. In in LA, there's not that many places to walk. No. You know, people drive, mm-hmm. so that's why they all go to like downtown and Sunset. Yeah, and you know, and Seven Eleven. Oh, so because they want out. people with money. Not just with money, but people in general at all. Yeah. If you're in the car, you don't see them. Yeah, unless they walk directly up to your car, which some do. They're like, some do. Do you have any money? Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> but for the most part, they don't. They just beg, and they beg where there are people. Yeah. Outside of their cars. Mm-hmm. Isn't it weird that in L.A. there's not that many people, people places that people walk? I mean, think about it. Well, you I mean, know? like Hollywood sometimes, like tourists, yeah, but these the are like tourists. Here. Yeah, exactly. Tourists. They're not people areas. that live here. People that live here are like, no, nah, I'll drive. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, 
what do you have? You have downtown, you have Hollywood, and then you have Santa Monica and, and Venice and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like we almost drove to Aroma, but it's literally so close. We're like, okay, no, it yeah, doesn't make so, any sense. So nobody drives, uh, I mean, nobody really walks in L.A. No. You know. We walked last night just because it really would have been asinine for us to drive. Yeah, right? <laughs> like it's just like to find parking again. <laughs> it, was, it was stupid. Yeah. But yeah, the Greek salad there was really good. Yeah? Yeah. This wrap, not so much, but... Yeah, I know the Greek salad some. is good. You have to have Israeli salad, too. It's a good lunch spot in this yeah. area. Yeah. But, uh, oh, there we go. Uh, so our guest is calling in right on time. We're going to pick up and have a very fascinating conversation about sam's issues uh, yes I'm, I'm i'm sure we will so uh we're uh we're expecting dr gerald simmons uh doctor are you with us yes i am thank you for calling this morning where are you calling us from houston texas oh houston texas that's cool have you have you been to texas danny i've never been no never been Mm-mm. i've been to austin but that's about it uh, doc, uh dr simmons thank you so much for calling us uh i was teasing the interview with uh uh we're going to talk about symptoms and treatment of uh, sleep apnea and uh, okay. the, re- the reason I was looking forward to this interview is because uh, obviously I've discovered that I have it. And uh, I was just fascinated by all the things that you talk about. So, uh, so this is going to be relevant to us. Great. So now you're part of a – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. You're part of an well, organization. You're the founder of Comprehensive Sleep Medicine Associates. Correct. And uh, tell us what that is. Well, it's a clinical practice that um, uh, deals with uh, sleep disorders. We also handle other kinds of neurologic conditions. I am a neurologist, and um, they're uh, uh, basically it's a it's a clinical program, and we have um, a number of different offices throughout the Houston area. We just opened up an office in Austin. Um, but more relevant maybe to you is I used to be at UCLA. I was the co-director of the UCLA Sleep Disorder Center back in the 90s. Wow. And uh, So you used so to live I'm out quite, here? Yes, I lived out there. I uh, was on faculty in the Department of Neurology, uh-huh. and um, I uh, was quite active in uh, dealing with sleep disorders at UCLA. Very interesting. Um, when did you become interested? Uh, when did you become interested in in uh, in this line of work in in sleep specifically? Well, actually, in medical school, um, I was fascinated because sleep medicine did not really uh, look at one organ system. It looked at multiple different organ systems during a sleep study. We're measuring brainwave activity, eye movement activity, muscle activity, respiration, the heartbeat, movements, the EKG, um, looking at um, just a variety of different parameters simultaneously and we're looking at uh, the changes that take place during uh, wakefulness and sleep and then the different stages of sleep. So I was real interested in it from a methodologic standpoint. And then the more I learned about sleep disorders, the more fascinating it became. And I realized what a um, tremendous deficit there is in the healthcare education system because I was learning things that I felt 
really I should have been learning in medical school, but I wasn't learning it until I was doing my fellowship training at Stanford University um, after I had already done my neurology residency. And, and there were things that I thought were basic nuts and bolts of what all physicians should know. So I started a nonprofit organization um, where we actually provide educational uh, conferences to healthcare professionals to try to compensate for the deficit in our healthcare education system. Right. Wow. So now I wanted to ask you, uh, because this is interesting, uh, specifically about sleep apnea, how widespread would you say it is? What kind of, uh, what percentage of the population? Uh, well, suffers? you know, it really depends on how you define obstructive sleep apnea. And I know when I say that, you may not sure, be sure what I'm really referencing. There are some people that look at sleep apnea as a condition where the oxygen drops when the person's not breathing normally at night. Right. And if you use those parameters, we'll probably say that maybe 6 to 10% of the population may actually have some degree of, of sleep apnea, which is an extremely high percentage. Right. But the reality is, is that you can have milder forms of obstructive breathing during sleep that um, can influence the quality of your sleep and your oxygen may not drop at all, but the increased effort you're putting into breathing may result in fragmentation of the continuity of your sleep. So you're having brief little disruptions dur during the night that could lead to excessive daytime sleepiness and fatigue. Right. And when we start using these milder uh, forms of sleep apnea as part of our definition, the statistics, the statistics go way up. Um, and no one really knows for sure, but it would be fair to say that there may be as much as, you know, 15% uh, to maybe 20% of the population right. uh, may have some degree of this obstructive breathing problem that may be worthy of treating. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing is, I, I first realized it, uh, you know, I'm thinking maybe a few months back, uh, I started realizing that when I wake up in the morning, uh, if I sleep on my back, uh, my I just can't breathe. You know, my my uh, my breathe my breathing air the airways uh, just get stopped completely. You know, Why don't you just I, sleep on your side then. So when you sleep on the side, it works, and we'll talk about that because I'm sure the doctor is going to give us some remedies or treatment or whatever. But what uh, grabbed me here, doctor, is that. You mentioned all the different things that happen to you as a result of it. Like, for example, nocturia, which is waking up to pee at night. I mean, I do every night. And so, yeah. So, and I would think it's normal, but I, I guess it's not, mm -mm, right? Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the question is do you go to the bathroom more frequently at night than you do during the day? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. But all I can tell you is I do wake up and uh, at about the same time every night, like the notes say here, uh, wake up with congestion, yes. Morning headache, TMJ, okay. not really. But waking up with heartburn and insomnia. Okay. You know, and insomnia. Heartburn's the absolute worst. Right. Yeah. And I've been suffering from that. And I didn't realize this might actually be related to the sleep apnea. Yeah, it is. So you wake up in the middle of the night with heartburn? Uh, well, the heartburn happens during the day, too. But So I don't know okay. if that's related to that, but I have been... Does it sometimes, well, does it sometimes seem to be worse at night? Yes, yes, or in not, the evenings, yeah. Okay. 
and you will have uh, not have eaten for a number of hours prior to when you're waking up? Oh, um, I don't know. You know, actually, to be honest with you, I don't know if it happens upon waking up the heartburn. I just have it throughout the day. Maybe it's not related at all, but it just uh, occurred well, to me. Many people, that, it, in yes. many people, it is, and, and it gets missed. But I can explain that um, yes. because it does relate to other problems that we see with sleep apnea. And basically, the discussion should start off with understanding sleep apnea. So when you breathe and air rushes through the back of your throat, you get a vacuum in the back of your throat as air flows through the back of your throat. As your muscles of the airway relax and your jaw starts to fall back, that space becomes more narrow. So now you're trying to get the same amount of air through a smaller space. And as you do that, you end up creating a vacuum, a negative pressure. That vacuum pulls on the soft tissue, making it vibrate, and that's what causes snoring. Right. So when somebody snores, we know that there's an increased negative pressure in the back of their airway. And then if the vacuum is so strong, the airway can completely collapse. And at that point, a person's trying to breathe, but they can't. So it'll be a brief awakening. And with the awakening, usually there's a gasping sound and the airway opens up and breathing starts up again. And then once breathing starts up again, the person goes right back to sleep. So that's obstructive sleep apnea in the classic way that we understand it. Mm. There are milder forms of sleep apnea that I'll mention in a few minutes from now. But let's talk about the more elaborate form of sleep apnea that I just described. That negative pressure that I just described, it's not just in the back of your throat. Your whole chest becomes a vacuum chamber, all right, as your airway becomes more narrow. So as you're trying to breathe, your whole chest becomes like a vacuum, Mm -hmm. and that can cause the stomach juices to get sucked up from your stomach up into your esophagus. You can wake up with heartburn and reflux. And, And sometimes people have what's called silent reflux. So they don't have the burning, but the dentist may notice erosion of the teeth oh, from the acidic oh. fluids. That what are does erosion of the up. teeth mean? Like they're coming out of your What's head? Again? The, the teeth, teeth just getting worse, you know? Oh. Yeah. Are your teeth yeah. messed so up? No, no, I have no, no the, problem oh. with my teeth. Thank God. But go on, so, doctor. So that vacuum is uh, what creates the reflux. And a lot of times the gastroenterology doctors, the GI doctors, they don't specifically ask the questions from the other patients and do you snore and are you sleepy during the day? They're not screening for sleep apnea when they have patients that have a lot of reflux symptoms. They scope them and they put them on anti-acid medications and then they, they move on. But really, that may be a sign of obstructive sleep apnea. Right. So that negative pressure that's in your chest, it also affects your heart. And your heart does not function normally when you develop that negative pressure in your chest. So the blood flow changes, and actually the right side of the heart can become temporarily enlarged whenever you have a strong vacuum. That enlargement causes a hormone called atrial nitritic peptide to get released, and that hormone goes to your kidneys and tells your kidneys to produce more urine. Because your heart is reacting as though it's in failure. So you could have increased mm-hmm. urine production because of that increased negative pressure in your chest. Right. So how so do you, how do you that, fix you it? Go, well, we'll get to that. Well, you treat, you treat sleep apnea, which we'll talk about in a minute. Right. But so let's say you have frequent urination at night, and then you go to the urologist, and they say, oh, your prostate's normal. So and they're stumped. They're not sure why you're having this problem. 
you know, again, they're not asking the problems of sleep apnea. That negative pressure puts more strain on your heart. And I described to you a minute ago the arousals, the awakenings that will happen throughout the night. Every time you have one of those arousals, you're going to increase your adrenaline and you're going to increase your cortisol output because those are stress hormones. And basically, your body's under stress. And by having those stress hormones occur repetitively throughout the night, increasing their levels, they cause what's referred to as insulin resistance. It makes your body not respond to insulin as well as a result of having increased cortisol and increased adrenaline. So people develop what's called uh, glucose intolerance, and that leads to type 2 diabetes. And there are a lot of patients that have diabetes that they try not to eat at night and they try to control their food, but they're still waking up in the morning with high sugar levels. Oh. There's a good chance that's because of sleep apnea that's not being treated. So the stress of the sleep apnea throughout the night raises their glucose level because of the glucose intolerance, or I'm sorry, the insulin intolerance. Right. Uh, insulin resistance. That's right. actually the right term to use. So, and again, you don't have these internal medicine doctors or family practice doctors or endocrinology doctors, they're not, uh, historically, they have not been asking about sleep apnea symptoms because they haven't been taught. Now, there is a trend. They're asking more. The knowledge is improving. But um, from my perspective, it's it's not happening fast enough. I mean, this is stuff that I've been teaching and talking about for uh, you know, over 20 years and, um, uh, it's, you know, but it takes a while for information to disseminate within the health field. Yeah. So sleep apnea can cause, you know, so these are other signs, you know, poorly controlled sugar in the morning. If you have diabetes, um, you know, uh, reflux symptoms or okay. Nasal congestion. That's another one. So that negative pressure that occurs throughout the um, night in the back of your throat, right. it results in swelling of the nasal mucosa. So you end up getting nasal congestion. So you're, you go to bed and your nose is clear, right. but then your nose becomes congested during the night. Right. And once you wake up about an hour or so later, your nose is clear again. So I something see, during sleep is causing the nasal congestion. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can totally see how all this totally stresses the body and this is when you're supposed to be sleeping and resting so you know so obviously you're going to be walking around tired most of the day uh you know which i do think think uh, that i can still function and and do everything that i need to do with a lot of energy but in the back of my mind i'm tired i'd like to take a nap and uh, and it seems like no amount of sleep is enough you know, and uh, I think I think the main problem with diagnosing this is that people that maybe live alone and they don't know that they snore and they don't realize that they have a problem because, like, for example, I mean, for me, it just took until somebody actually told me what what I might have, you know, because they people can see that you can't breathe. You have a hard time breathing and uh, and you snore and all that. But uh, I think people that don't know that they do don't realize they actually have an OSA, right? All right. Well, that's, that's correct. Sleep but out. a lot yeah. of times it's because the physicians aren't asking. So I don't know if you have high blood pressure or not. I do not. If you have high no. blood, what's it? Uh, no, uh, mostly I do not, no. 
Okay, but a lot of people that have high blood pressure right. actually may have sleep apnea as a precipitating cause. Oh. So if someone has high blood pressure and the doctor, uh, particularly if the doctor is having a hard time controlling the pressure and they have to go up on the medications or they have to put them on more than one medication, right. more than 50% of those patients have obstructive sleep apnea. Wow. I'm, but I'm we're really, not, the doctors, Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, and the doctors are just not asking the questions um, where, when they should be. And atrial fibrillation, for example, most of those cases may be due to obstructive sleep apnea. So the cardiologists are just now starting to understand that. So they're just starting to um, refer more patients for sleep tests. I mean, obviously, there are some cardiologists that have known this for years, but uh, as, a, as a whole, most cardiologists have been missing the diagnosis of sleep apnea over the years and you know uh, really all patients with atrial fibrillation new onset atrial fibrillation should be screened for obstructive sleep apnea very interesting so uh doctor that leads us to now that we know how to uh, uh diagnose and and uh and understand it a little more what are some of the options for treating this? I mean, we were talking about, you know, the machine with the mask on your face, and that's kind of scary, you know? I mean, what, what, what other well, alternatives are there? Well, let's start with CPAP because it's real important to understand it. And, okay. you know, I've been doing this for many, many years, and most patients, when I first present the idea of CPAP to them, and, and CPAP stands for continuous positive airway pressure, most patients have a negative response when I first tell them about it. Right. But yet, the compliance that I have for patients that I do treat with CPAP, it's close to 90%. And that's because of how we deal with the CPAP administration. But CPAP is a mask that goes over your nose or over your nose and mouth, right. and it hooks up to a machine that delivers positive pressure air. It's regular room air, but it's delivered with positive pressure. The positive pressure gets rid of the negative pressure or the vacuum that I was talking about, mm. and it, it nullifies it. So basically, it keeps your airway open, so when the muscles of your airway are relaxed, your breathing is maintained without those repetitive awakenings. Right. And if it's if the machine's set to the right pressure, then snoring is also eliminated. So the mask is actually the gold standard of treatment. Right. Now, if, if you have this prescribed and you go to a, uh, all you um, interact with is the home health care company, and the home health care company provides you the machine, and then that's it. Then they walk away, and, and the patient's sort of left on their own. Um, the overall success is pretty low. But if the patient goes to a sleep disorder center that's really um, dedicated to treating this condition, the staff at the facility should be very well educated on the various modifications of the therapy because if you don't have the right mask, it's not going to be comfortable. Right. If the pressure is not set correctly, it's not going to work correctly. So there's a lot of nuances that need to be addressed. Sometimes we have to add a little chin strap to keep the mouth closed because if the mouth opens, pressure runs out of the mouth. Right. Or we have to add humidification. There's a variety of different changes, but CPAP can work quite well. Okay. Right? Another yeah. treatment that is very effective are dental appliances. Dental appliances that keep your jaw forward because as your jaw falls back, the base of your tongue falls back and blocks off your airway. So by holding your jaw forward, a dental appliance can actually work quite well. 
Now, there are complications that can occur with the dental appliances, but those can be minimized by having the dental appliance utilized properly. And the dentist should really be well-educated in how to administer these. But there's a morning repositioner that the person bites into, and um, and actually that biting down into that repositioner puts the jaw back into its normal position right. Right. in That's the morning. That's a great idea. And yeah. that minimizes the side effect. Yeah. So, so dental appliance would be one. CPAP's another. Now, if it's a child, we haven't even talked really about the milder forms of sleep apnea. We just talked about the real blatant, obvious one, but there are milder forms. And in children, a lot of times they have the milder forms, and it can result in symptoms of ADHD and ADD. But if it's a child, orthodontics is very important. I mean, you could also consider orthodontics an adult, but it's going to be much more difficult. But orthodontic intervention at an early age is crucial. So if we can make the diagnosis in someone at an early age, we can improve their whole life. They won't right. have those symptoms later on. Right. We can improve daytime performance and daytime behaviors by having the child have proper sleep at night. Right. So obviously if tonsils are enlarged, then the, the tonsils need to be removed or the adenoids need to be removed. But orthodontics, and orthodontics done with consideration of the airway, because not all orthodontists understand that they have to open up the airway with their orthodontic intervention. Right. Some orthodontists may be bringing things back and pulling teeth back, and that may increase the likelihood of sleep apnea. So, um, but orthodontics is another treatment. Right. Then there's some surgical... And they need to really understand what they're doing because it's not really related to the teeth as much as to the jaw itself, right? Correct. Yeah. But, But they're... Okay, so now there are signs in the teeth. One of the symptoms of sleep apnea can be clenching your teeth at night, clenching right. and grinding your teeth. Right. What we've come, what I've come to realize years ago, and one of the first people to actually identify and promote this concept is that we, clen- people will clench and grind their teeth in their sleep, as an attempt to open up the airway. Wow. So it's a compensation for the bro- for the blockage of the airway, and yeah. as a result, there is less blockage of the airway. So the degree of sleep apnea may be minimized, but that's at the expense of the teeth and of the jaw. So people that develop TMJ dysfunction and they have pain in the jaw or they're cracking their teeth at night, wearing their teeth down, those are other patients. Those patients also need to be considered to have obstructive sleep apnea. Right. And And again, I've had that that too. (laughs) You know, what's that again? I said, I've had that too. You know, I have uh, like a night guard that the uh, dentist made for me because I have been grinding my teeth most of my life. So, you know what? Now, it's like he totally gave me an understanding of why I have certain things that I have, you know. And it's like constantly you think, well, I, I mean, I heard of, about the softening of the tissue in the back. Uh, but uh, but now that you talk about children, too, I realize that sometimes you just can't help but have it, right? I mean, it, Or is it like a lifestyle well, that brings it on? Well, let's, let's talk about the, 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 your jaw is the joint or the valve of the airway, right? And it's and it moves. And the mobility you have of your jaw helps you talk and eat. Right. But for breathing, it's a detriment. That movement for breathing can be detrimental because as your jaw falls back, your airway can become obstructed. Right. So certain things that we do, such as, let's say someone consumes alcohol before going to bed, Right. The muscles of the airway become more relaxed, and the jaw becomes more relaxed, and the airway is more likely to be blocking off 
the sleep apnea is made worse by alcohol before bedtime. Right. Certain medications, certain painkillers, certain muscle relaxants will make the airway more relaxed and make the breathing worse. So there's certain things that we do that will increase the likelihood of sleep apnea because, again, you know, sleep apnea is a, a, a phenomena that occurs when you're asleep. You're not having apnea while you're awake. Exactly. So then the question is, what's different, what's different when you're asleep? And that's the muscles relax and your airway starts to become more narrow. Now, when you're on your back, gravity adds to the blockage because it pulls things back. And so typically apnea is worse when you're on your back. Right. So people will then move to their side as an attempt. They'll do it subconsciously. Some people just are not comfortable sleeping on their back, and they don't know why. Right. And it's probably because they have a subconscious aversion because they can't relax. Because if they start to relax, their airway starts to block off. Right. So they're going to be more comfortable when they're lying on their side. Right. But yeah. that alone does not cure the problem in most people. It may, right. it may reduce the degree of severity, but in most people... That change of body position alone is not going to resolve the problem. Right. So, uh, Dr. Gerald Simmons, uh, I mean, this is fascinating. We could talk for hours, but we're out of time. Is uh, so, I wanted to ask. Really, uh, I think we pretty much answered a lot of questions here. You've been extremely uh, interesting and informative. Tell us how people can get in touch with you if they want to. Uh, you well, know, your organization. Get more. Sure. Yeah. The, web, the web page is www.csma for Comprehensive Sleep Medicine Associates, csma.clinic. Okay. Medical clinic, you know, clinic. So that's a new, instead of .com, it's .clinic. So, so it's csma.clinic. That's the web page. Right. And um, we have a lot of information on the web page. Uh, we also have a sleep questionnaire. We actually are now involved with telemedicine, so we can actually provide care to patients remotely, and we use video conferencing. I That's still awesome. have a license in California, so yeah. I can practice in California still. And, um, and then the education, if someone is a physician or a dentist and they want to attend one of our um, conferences that, to educate on this, they can go to medicalsleepconference.com um, or dentalsleepconference.com. It's all one word. Um, and there's, uh, those are two different conferences. And we're coming up in October. We're going to have a large conference here in Houston. There's going to be a lot of continuing medical education credits uh, for dentists and physicians to learn about these kind of problems. Absolutely. Well, this is fascinating. Again, Dr. Gerald Simmons, everybody check him out. And uh, thank you for your time and for all this information. Uh, you've really given me a better view of what it is that uh, that have given me all these things like tired and, and, and clenching teeth and all this stuff. You know, now I understand why I'm having like trouble breathing. So, uh, so there you go. Thank you so much again and uh, all the best to you, sir. Great. Thank you. Glad to help. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. So uh, I know you did not have a lot of questions to ask, but because quite frankly, it was hard to uh, to say anything because he was so eager to uh, to share all this stuff with us, you mm -hmm. know. But now I'm feeling good. I don't feel like so... I'm not so hard on myself anymore, you know? Yeah, but what did you get out of what you have to do to treat it? Oh, well, uh, I need to consider that machine, but I don't think I will. The first thing I'm going to do... Oh, yeah. You see, the reason I stopped uh, using my night guard that my uh, dentist made for me mm -hmm. is I thought 
it interferes with my breathing. So right. I thought, why would I use that? But now he's saying it's related. Right. Right. So it all comes down to like pressure, what he was saying. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of pressure. Think about how hard the body's fighting at night when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, being able to breathe is really important, Sam. Yeah. So. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, what can you do? You know, we wouldn't live if we couldn't breathe, right? You're right. Yeah. So uh, listen to this thing. This is really cool. Uh, this kid, a high school graduate, applied to 20 of the best colleges and got a full ride to all of them. Wow, he must be really smart then. Yeah, 17-year-old. And uh, this kid is like, uh, he seems, he's celebrating here. He seems to be extremely happy. And uh, he's African-American, which I think is great because it shows you that everybody has opportunity. In this right, country. right. I'm telling you, they really do. I mean, look, they're laying the, the red, red carpet for him because he's not only smart, but you see, I don't think they look at the smartness so much as to how involved you are. You know, like he was heavily involved in the school's debate team. Uh, mock trial and student government for years. Right. You know, so... I think uh, they're also kind of rolling up the red carpet because he's doing all that and he's black. Maybe. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, 110%. I just... Maybe they didn't know when they took when they got his application. You have to. You have to put your race on it. Really? An application for college? Yep. Yep. That's interesting. And that they just now, a few years ago, added the two or more races. Because I never right. knew what to put right. for mine. I just always put black. Yeah. You know? Whatever you identify with, I guess. But the reason they're doing this is because then they can do statistics about their students and stuff. Right. I don't think it's really... I hope they don't use it to discriminate. Mm-hmm. You know. But who knows? But at any rate, congratulations to this kid. And he's getting... Three hundred twenty thousand, two hundred sixty thousand dollars in additional scholarship. On top of a top scholarship of he already got. Oh, well, close! He's getting a full boat. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna need that much money for how much books fucking cost. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, a history book is like a hundred and fifty bucks. I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah. So he's getting okay. So he's getting uh, two hundred sixty thousand in additional scholarship offers. Yeah, yeah, so that's so, additional and you can to ca- And you can cash some of that out. So if you don't spend it, you just put it in your bank account. Yeah. That's a pretty, it's a pretty big deal. Pretty I hope cool, he, huh? I hope he does just as good when he actually gets to college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I like that. I like hearing good news. Now, uh, scientists are debating why the universe uh, should exist at all. In other words, they're what saying... What do you mean? Okay, so what they're saying is... Okay, uh, we understand that there's something here, right? I mean, right. the world, the, the universe is not nothingness, right? Right. There's something here. And the question is, they're saying, why is there? Yeah. And science can't deal with those those questions because they go beyond what they can prove, you know? Mm-hmm. But they're uh, putting it up to the best, uh, to the uh, scientific method, which is scientific theory, which is... Uh, Things that you're able to duplicate in the lab, all right? Like cloning. So we'll say, so that's what they're doing. They're saying, no, not cloning, but uh, no, they they have to, in other words, they want to test it more than just saying, oh, it's God, you know? It's like what makes it like scientifically 
why should we exist at all? Oh, so basically this is like some Scientology bullshit. No, not Scientology, science. Yeah, but science. Science, I mean, uh, Steve Hawkins was talking about it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't believe. I mean, I feel like now because everything is so advanced, yeah, you right. can create stuff, but I don't necessarily think that's how we were put on this planet. So how do you think? I mean, why do you think we uh, we should exist? I mean, when you think in the, sp- in the scheme of things, uh, you know, not having something is more is easier than having something, right? right? I don't know. I, I just don't think that we were like put in a lab and created in a lab. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm sorry. No, what they're saying is they need to do things in labs like, look, they're taking 65 pounds of a rare, rare isotope of germanium, okay, which is like uh, the atoms of a certain element that's in the universe, okay? Okay. All right. They cool it to temperatures cold enough to liquefy air and place their equipment nearly a mile underground in an abandoned gold mine. And you'll have the beginnings of an answer. Okay, so they have like a whole project near South Dakota where... Yeah, but what are they they trying to get from that? Like, what do they expect to happen? I think they're trying to see how atoms can create something why they would you know oh, okay. why so, they would come together and and things like that and, and, and well i mean the, i do believe that the earth was right. made scientifically obviously but i don't think people were no 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 i'm not saying that it was done so how did wh- why do people exist i don't know it's like okay so a, that's what i'm saying and that's even when i'm driving sometimes out. i'm like it makes no sense how like roads connect like how like one place can lead to right. another. Like who came right. up with that? And how does an airplane know how to leave the airport and, and land across the world in this in this specific spot that he's yeah, going it's, to? Uh, this Unbelievable, stuff, yeah, right? It's very so weird. that's what I'm saying. But these things exist, yeah. and some people want to test them mm-hmm. and, and answer those questions. Right, you know? right. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, these used to be philosophical questions, but they want to. Uh, get into science more and explain it, you know, because science can explain what and why and right, how, right. and how, but, uh, or not why, but how and, but not why, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why we have religion, because I think uh, we still haven't figured out scientifically no, why not. we're here and why we even exist at all, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, so you believe there's life on other planets? Yep, 110%. Right. Okay. Well, 120%, I'm sure there isn't. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do. I I just feel like if there's life here, there has to be life somewhere else. We're not the only people. We're not the only people in this universe. They might not be called people. They might not look like us. But there's definitely other beings out there. No, but you're saying it with certainty. How do you know we're not the only ones? Because it doesn't make sense that we would be here and there wouldn't be somebody on another planet. Well, it may not make sense. A lot of things don't make sense. Does that mean that we're right? You know, I mean, come on. I'm not saying I'm right, but a lot of people will agree with me. Well, yeah, a lot of people do. I I don't argue with that at all. I think, in fact, more people think that there is other life another planet yeah. that don't yeah there's people that literally will like build tunnels in their like backyards yeah. for the Y2K which was supposed to happen a decade ago and never did well all I can tell you is that unless you prove me otherwise I uh, refuse to yeah, believe yeah but what if you're not like alive when it happens and I'm like fuck man okay, then Sam's then, then, missing out well okay then, <laughs> then you can say he missed out on this you know but I don't think we're gonna find out anytime soon so you don't think you could be abducted and like tested and 
alien Fuck labs. no. What are you talking so about? So you think that the people that have actually said that they've gotten abduct- abducted and came back completely right. fucked uh, up, you think they're making it up? All bullshit, man. All bullshit. And maybe they don't realize they're bullshitting. What about that, that small town in like Alaska where like everyone goes missing? What do you mean? But what does that have to do with anything? Everyone says that it's alien abductions. That's why. And there's people that have come back that have said, I got abducted. Do you have evidence? Do they have evidence? Nobody has fucking evidence. There was a movie, though, Look, I'm the biggest fan of X-Files. Believe me, I kind of want to believe it. There was a movie about it, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah? This is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, what can I say, you know? Anyway, folks, thank you all so much for joining us for this uh, amazing interview with the doctor on sleep apnea. Uh, We'll keep you posted as to what I found out about it and uh, how people can deal with it. Because apparently a lot of people do have it, you know. Like you said, 12%, 10%, 12%, that's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, that's 30 million people. I don't have it yet, but I definitely can see myself getting it in the future. Well, who knows? We'll see. I hope not. Anyway, I mean, I hope you don't get it. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that's it for today, Danny. Yeah, wrap it up. Today's a nice day, right? Actually, know, some sun outside. Nice. It's supposed to be. Hold on. Uh, yeah. It's going. Oh, no. It's only 61 degrees. But it's supposed to be 70 by 3 p.m. Sounds good. Well, we'll be out here or at the beach. Find and, us and then one it's going to rain on Saturday for you. Really? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So maybe, but it is beach weather. Maybe you should go to the beach. No, walk it's definitely not. It has to be 75 at least for me to but be like, to no, walk. Be. No, I mean, you don't have to like swim or anything, but you know. Whatever, yeah. right? <laughs> Whatever. You go the beach. Okay, I will. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you all for joining us. We truly appreciate it. And we'll see you all tomorrow. You're listening to Sam in the Morning with Danny, only on LA Talk Radio.